In goes Stewart! They've only gone and done it! And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glover's Pass from the Glover's Cast. Dave and I are here to chat to yet another member of that magical 2013 side who gained promotion to the championship. Our guest tonight played just over 100 times in the green and white and has been fondly remembered by so many for his performances, not just during that season, but the subsequent couple as well. For his incredible role in that promotion side, we want to say a huge thank you and a huge welcome to the podcast, Sam Foley. Sam, how are you, sir? Uh, how are you doing? Thanks very much for having me. No, thank you. Thank you for giving up your time on a on a busy evening. Thank you so much. We pr- really appreciate it. No, there's no no problem. It's uh, off season at the minute, so I'm, uh, I'm twiddling my thumbs until uh, until a couple of weeks' time. So yeah, I fit you into my busy schedule of uh, doing nothing. You, yeah, you you professionals are difficult to track down any time other than the summer. So no, we do appreciate it. Okay. Right, well, let's um, let's get started then. So um, we're going all the way back to the summer of uh, of 2012. You arrived, I think you'd um, uh, moved to us from from Newport County. Uh, if you cast your mind back, I think you'd spent spent three years um, at Newport. What was the the kind of the attraction of Yeovil? Was it just a change of scenery? Do you remember how the move came about? Um, league league football, really. I think the opportunity to to come in and play in football league was something that. I hadn't done in my career. Um, I mean, if you could call, if you could call it a career up to that point, I was kind of knocking around non-league, um, playing for a bit of small change, really, and just just enjoying my football. I got into the game so late that I didn't really see it as as a career. I just saw it as kind of a, a job, just delaying growing up. I think, um, and I, I knew I'd done done well enough at a re- reasonably good level that you know, I wanted to play in the football league and. When uh, when the opportunity came to, to sign for Yeovil, it was um, you know I didn't didn't have to think twice about it. I uh, I took it really. It was kind of like on a trial sort of anyway. I, I signed a year contract, but it was kind of like let's just have a look at after six months and see how we are. It was almost like coming and do pre season. So you know I was, I was thankful for the opportunity, and um, yeah, that's that's how it really came about. It was a good start, to be fair, as well. We had a, a debut against uh, Colchester League Cup. Uh, you were alongside Don Blizzard and Ed Upson. It was a group that came together quite quickly. Did you feel like you settled in quite early? Yeah, uh, I feel like I, I settled in really well. It was a great set of lads. We, we still speak today. I think when you have a successful team, it's, it's easy to kind of keep those bonds together. And you know, whether it's you know, Luke's doing so well in, in the Premier League, well, obviously not any longer sadly but you know he's done so well in his career and Dan Byrne at Newcastle you know there's still people that not just myself any members of the team could easily just pick the phone up and speak to them like you were talking to them yesterday so I think there was a there was a close-knit bond straight away within that group um, obviously started the season really well and that kind of bodes it for the for the rest of the uh, the campaign but yeah I think everyone living quite close to the Oval, everyone was in the same sort of boat, you're all young, you're all 
on your own. You're all there because of football, and that's something you all had in common. Yeah, I mean, you talk there about that, and and when we've spoken with your former former teammates and and others who played under Gary uh, Johnson, they've spoken about how he really insisted on having that that almost community feel between you. I mean, Gary's obviously a legend at Yeovil. Uh, you played in, prior to coming to Yeovil under like Dean Oldsworth, Justin. Edinburgh, obviously, ex-professionals. How was it under Gary? Was he a bit different because he, he didn't have a, a footballing career in the same way as someone like Justin Edinburgh did? Um, no, I think the great thing about, about Justin Edinburgh, for an example, and, and Dean Holsworth, who had, who had great careers in the game as players, was they were just themselves. They were just... And that was, I think, when they first came in or when I first joined them, it was a bit daunting that they'd had great careers and you know, they were they're going to have big egos, but no, they were just normal blokes. They were just themselves. And I think that kind of made you relax and made you be yourself. And, and Gary's the same. Gary's got different ethics, different working ways to other managers. Everyone's different. and But you knew it was authentic with him and you knew that he wanted the best and he was going to do what he was going to do to, to get the best out of you and best for the team. So as soon as you buy into it, then you're there. And I think if you're not going to buy into a winning mentality, then you, you, you're not the right person in the building. And I think Gary made that clear with what he wanted and the, where I was in my career, it's, it's, what I, it's what I needed. And there were times where it was tough, but you know, it's, it stood me in great stead to, to have a long career in the game, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. for. We've, we've, we've had the pleasure of talking to quite a lot of that squad, uh, Dan Byrne being one of them and a, a number of others recently. And they've all sort of said the same. It was a good start. It had a few ups. It had a few downs. But come October time, season was a couple of months old, it really started to click. Was there a point in that sort of early part of the season where you thought, hang on a minute, we've got something here? Um, yeah, I think the, the great thing was we were kind of just going game by game. It was... I've worked for some managers and at some clubs and they're very methodical in what they do and there's there's always a bigger picture and I think the, the bigger picture was definitely in the manager's thoughts but in the players it, I think he made the players realise that it was a week-to-week thing which it is football anyway the best thing is you can get rid of last week's disappointment by winning the week after as a player you can't always look too far forward I think as a, as a group for, for me in particular I was just concerned about staying in the team and playing as many games as I could and the only thing I could affect was the current game uh, now the manager worked like that because you were you were in fear of losing your place if you if your standards dropped below but he definitely knew that there was a there was an end goal there which was getting promoted it's at any at any level look at the teams that have done it you know Yeovil yeah it was it was it was a mental season for a football club like Yeovil to get promoted to, to the level we got to but it happens it happens a lot it happens to other clubs you know, look at Luton getting the Premier League you know, the, these things do happen so you know I, I'm at Barrow and we spoke about this last season you know, why can't it be us there's no reason why but I think it was funny you say that that October time I think a few of them might have forgotten then that it got to October time we played late in Orient I think in the uh, checker trade which would have been Johnson Johnson's paint I yep. think it might be the quarterfinals or the semifinals. Yep. I, I don't want to give away um, what happens behind closed doors, but I can specifically remember the manager saying we could book our holidays. And if we come above 10th, they deserve medals, the staff. 
So right. Luke went and booked uh, booked his holiday to Dubai, and obviously he went <laughs> subsequently he went on an unbelievable run, and he missed out on his holiday. Oh no, he had to cancel it. <laughs> had to, well, I don't think he did. I think he just had to uh, bite the bullet. But I would get promoted was better. Yeah. So I think round about that time, it was kind of yeah. like and you, you've um, you've really messed it up here, lads. You've uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, he, he's done all right in his career. He can probably afford that, can't he? Could soak that one up, I imagine. Yeah, you write that one off, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, looking at your own record, then you um you, you chipped in with a few goals in that sort of early period. There's one we remember in uh, around December time. I think it was a 90th minute equaliser at, at, at Walsall. I mean, you. You had a bit of a reputation for, for chipping in with goals. Do you, do you remember much about your, your goals in, in, in the Oval shirt? Um, I think I'd probably say that I'd like, would have liked to have contributed. I'm trying again. I would have liked to have contributed with, um, you know, the effort, you know, being sort of like a team player. But yeah, I think all previously in my career, I'd always kind of chipped in with goals and I'd, I'd kind of been a bit more of like an attacking player. From the, from the levels I was at, um, but yeah, that, that was a good one. The Warsaw, the Warsaw one, but that, that was a Christmas do was that night, and I, I think I'm, <laughs> I must have liked the night out when I was younger. Yeah, because I remember him saying at half time we were two 0 down. and said, "Your Christmas do's off," and then I went, I went and set set one up, and and then scored the equaliser in the last minute. So I, I must have really wanted that night out. Yeah, they were they were thanking you for the Christmas do being on then. I thought yeah. the celebrations were. I thought the celebrations were big. I watched that yeah. clip back earlier. <laughs> really enjoyed that last minute. I, yeah, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, a bit over the top. It's all, it's all coming together now. We're, 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 we're knocking out exclusives here, Ben. I think. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, look, there's there's an obvious change, isn't there? Turn of the year and the introduction of Paddy Madden. Um, you, James Hater, and a number of other people were obviously charged with feeding that man to get him some goals. Did you notice a change? Did it seem to just give us an extra level? Um, yeah, I think when you when you look at it over the season, you know, the re- reason you do well is always because of you know goals scored and obviously a goalkeeper keeping it out. So that was kind of where we were. We had Paddy scoring the goals and we had Marek making the saves. And I think there were times we'd win a game 1-0 and it'd be like Marek's made a save there that's mm. effectively a goal. But yeah, for Paddy to score as many as he did that season, we, you know, we would have been mid-table. But that's the story of every successful team. There always needs to be someone scoring goals. And mm-hmm. yeah, he just he just caught fire. I think it was nine games on a spin. Was it nine wins or nine undefeated after Christmas? That kind of like yeah. Well, we're just gonna yeah come on to that because there was uh, they, and he started with that two 0 win at Sheffield United in sort of the middle of middle of January. And then we had we had six six um, wins. It was on on the bounce. I mean that a lot of your ex colleagues and and I think the Oval fans who were around at the time will say it's almost that's when we started to take it seriously and perhaps when people started to take you guys seriously as well because up until that point it was. Still, little old oval, but you can't ignore a form like run a form like that, can you? No, and it, it, it's kind of put us up there that we kind of knew we had a chance of getting promoted, and and then we had a, a month or so to kind of get your heads around it. Yeah, and uh, and I think that that mentally was was massive. You know, we hadn't snuck in there, and there wasn't any sort of oh, what are we doing here, or we should be here, we shouldn't be here. We kind of like right, we're we're in. I kind of stumbled over the line a little bit, and perhaps if our football, well, yeah, if our form had carried on, but the form was. You know, it was red hot. You can't just carry that on. If we carried that on, we would have got automatics. So that would have, that would have been mad. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Well, we wouldn't have experienced Wembley. So you, there you go. 
you talk about that that change mentally. Was that something that somebody did from within? Did somebody have to sit you down and go, hang on, guys, we're right in this now. Let's properly switch on. Because you've gone from saying, book your holidays, because we're, mm-hmm. you know, cancelling the Christmas dues because you're tuning down at Warsaw to, hang on a minute, we're right in this. Was there, a, was there a genuine, was there a point, do you remember a conversation where this is it now, we're in this? No, I don't, I can't remember. A, I, honestly, it was... It was a long time ago. I think we were just so free and like the manager knew that, that he kind of was letting us kind of free, free wheel it. And, you know, I was so fresh out of non-league that I didn't really understand the game. Definitely didn't understand the game as much as I understand it now, but that comes with experience. And he kind of knew it was working and it's something that you kind of like don't need to fix. You just kind of let it run its course and, I suppose like we used to mess about quite a lot and he would have known he would have known it was, I remember him coming into the gym once and the gym's like a hard floor and we were, there was a putting competition and it was it was a hard floor but obviously because it's hard floor the ball just didn't stop so the right. putt would be going on for about two minutes we're watching this ball bobble around the floor and the manager comes in and he's just looking at us thinking what are these lads doing but he can't just let us let us do it but, but you know he was on he was on us like when it when the meeting started and they were relentless with the Know, come quick meeting before training at half 10 and we'd be getting on the training pitch at 12 things like that but you know he he, he definitely drove it the manager and allowed the players to you know the freedom to go and express themselves yeah and and, and obviously that season say finished fourth got drawn against Sheffield United lost, lost that first leg at, at Bramall Lane but I think it's probably the second leg at, at Hughes Park that, that anyone with the oval connection remembers I mean what are your memories of uh, of that day? Except for it, it was another red hot one. That wasn't it. That second yeah, leg game. Yeah, a blur really. That yeah. whole that there was um there was definitely there was a bit of um, emotional soul searching after the after the Sheffield United defeat. But I don't think it was kind of like our doom and gloom. Mm. It was something that you know it was kind of like not planned, but we kind of knew that you're gonna have to score in the playoffs. Yeah. So being one nil down from the first leg, it's not not an issue because you still have to score to win the tie. So so we knew we'd have to score. But yeah, that that weekend it was done. It was done brilliantly. Really, we went we went up to St George's Park after the Sheffield United game. Stayed there, and we had like a team meeting and we spoke quite intimately about who we're playing for and what it means. For, and there was quite a few tears shed. And those things you can't really manufacture. Those things are kind of like natural and organic and when when that happens it really really like creates a huge bond and you understand why you're playing really rather than just you know, trying to quote Gary Johnson just out there which is something he says quite a lot you know players are just out there you're not out there you, you're playing for something you need to be switched on and you need to be mentally ready for for making proper decisions rather than being just there and I think that got us into a mindset for the second leg that you know, I think every, like, if you watch it back, you can just tell. Yeah. I think you can tell after a minute who, who is going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know down to the build-up, definitely, the build-up to that game. I remember being in the car on the way to the match and a song I used to listen to when I was at Newport to, to give me inspiration came on on the radio. Right. And I just thought, yeah, this is it's, it's meant to be. So So many players have said that to us, the way they were like, we just knew, like uh, by, we had Byron Webster on. He was like, "I wasn't nervous. I knew we'd be fine. We just had to create two chances, and we'd be fine. We'd be." And I'm, 
I'm staggered at that confidence. And that can only come from those things like you talk about getting together at St. George's Park and stuff. Because I don't know about you, Dave, but I was bricking it the whole time. Absolutely bricking it. But I just love hearing that you guys were so, it's absolutely sorted. Um, I, I want to ask a question about the, the aftermath, the immediate aftermath. The whistle glow, goes, and I've watched the clip back today, and everyone storms the pitch. And one of the things that always seems to catch my eye, and I've no idea why, is the camera focuses on you. And there's a bloke in a Newport County shirt that tries to rip your head off. I have no idea why. He grabs you around the neck and properly grabs you as everyone's mobbing you. A family friend, perhaps, from old times? Uh, yeah, well, in case you didn't know, I'm kind of a big deal in Newport. So uh... <laughs> There's a title for this podcast. I'm kind of a big deal in Newport. Uh, he's, he's a big Newport County fan, to be fair. And when I played there, we were non-league and you mixed with a lot of the the supporters we used to all go in the bar after the game and so you so you knew quite a lot of them and he, he's I think he messaged me on social media saying he's coming to the game I was like I can't get can't give a ticket good luck somehow he got in there yeah um, yeah and he ran on the pitch and then he I think he came out with us on a night out and fell off a pool fell off a pool table in the armory and broke his nose <laughs> my god right okay <laughs> this guy we gotta get this guy on the podcast he's, he's he the guest we need isn't it yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah he, he can tell us the real story behind the armory can't he we've heard we've heard a few stories about the armory but we'll leave we'll leave them there we'll leave them where they are but yeah. um but yeah so uh, uh, that obviously meant Wembley um league one playoff final I mean I think am I right in saying you played at Wembley with Newport was it FA trophy yeah, um, yeah. so did did that um sort of help in any way or uh, I know that one didn't didn't work out did it and uh, obviously obviously this one did but could you go into it thinking you know a little bit about the experience of, of being there at all yeah we walked walked around the stadium and I was kind of like oh, boring seeing this before yeah. um, I was a bit I was a little bit um annoyed with yeah. how I played in that trophy game right so I mean that kind of helped I, I did all the prep for it all the press for that trophy match so I was there before like the the game itself with the trophy doing the press stuff um so i'd been i've been to wembley i'd seen it all and i'd i think the fact that i'd been there and lost the year before was kind of like well you know if i lose again i'm not really bothered because it's happened mm. and, and then it was kind of the other side of the night well it's time to make things right really so that definitely definitely helped um that previous experience yeah i think it was huge for me did you expect to be from, like you say, non-league, knocking about, having a bit of a trial here and there, to being 90 minutes away from the championship when you first joined? Was that was that on the agenda when you first signed that first contract? No, no, not a chance. <laughs> no, I, I didn't even expect to. Um, didn't expect to play when I came in to Yeovil. Um, like I, I thought oh, the level was good. I, I expected the level to be to be really good, maybe a little bit too far for myself um, but I wanted to give it a shot I wanted to give it a go if it wasn't for, for Gav Williams getting injured in pre-season then it probably wouldn't have happened because you know, I, I, I thought I'd done well in pre-season I chipped in a few goals I, I played loads of different positions I played centre mid I played, on, I played wide I played kind of the 10 um, I, I, did, I did well but I wasn't going to be in the team at the start of the season and it was only when, when Gav got injured that the manager called me in and says you know you um, you're playing, I think it was Stoke City, we had the last pre-season match, and he, said, he always said, if you play that game, you'll be in, that's the team for the first game of the season. So he pulled me in, he says, listen, you're, you're in. Like, well done. That's, you know, credit to yourself. You, you've done really well. 
you've exceeded my expectations of when you came in and you know take your chance and yeah and, I, and you know to play as many games I think that's kind of how I was like right I've got my shirt now I'm going to do everything I can to, to keep it um, and yeah I, to be that close to getting to the championship no I would have someone had said that I would have told them smoking something <laughs> yeah probably would have been as well yeah, yeah. But, but that that um that final obviously um quite early on your surging run forward ball breaks to paddy and what a we, we still say best goal ever scored at wembley no question about it uh, i mean that's an assist for you is it that one well yeah i keep yeah. saying it was an assist for me Absolutely. and uh, i think I, i'd say it, it almost would have been the second best goal scored at wembley because my shot had gone in <laughs> uh, and it was yeah. going in the top corner as well don't let anyone tell you anything yeah, I just, right. I just got it. I just, I, just, I got I I'm going forward here. I'd already made my mind up. I'm, I'm going forward and being positive. And yeah, l- luckily it falls to Paddy. Luckily it fell to him there, not on his left foot, because he didn't use his left foot all season. So it's a good job he could just flick it in with his uh, salmon foot. Yeah. What were the, um, what were the second half feelings like? Because it got a bit twitchy at the end there. But Byron, Sam, uh. Dan, American goal. How tough was it to kind of watch? You get deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it's the. I think that's the most exhausted I've ever been. Like on a pitch, I really underestimated how hot it was. Mm. Um, yeah, we just got deeper and deeper, and I was trying to do a defensive job out wide on the left, but I was just people. They were just going past me, and I was. I was. I was. I was so tired. I think I would have come off. I think Youngie was coming on, yeah. But but because I was on the left, I was right next to the the bench. I didn't think he. I don't think he wanted to bring me off because it'd be such a quick change. Whereas if I had been on the other side of the pitch, I think he would have done it because it would have taken about five minutes for me to crawl off. Right. Back at, like in those days, you don't. Like he was. I think it would have been Dorse that comes off, but Dorse is so fit, he just had to yeah. keep him on. So I think luckily, because I, I was so close to the manager, I didn't. I managed to stay on for ninety minutes somehow. But I'm, I even remember the first half. I think, um, I don't know if it's on the, that documentary that Stewie did, that he did the loads of clips and put them all together. Someone said that Gary Johnson shouting on after 15 minutes t- to tell me to stop running because I was just, I must have just been so wound up. I was just, and I was the first time ever in my career, I felt my hamstrings at half time. I was stretching my hamstrings at half time. I actually remember looking up at the scoreboard and I was blowing and there was like 12 minutes gone or something ridiculous. I was, well, yeah. we, we were all very grateful you made that surging run forward at the, uh, at, the, at the beginning of it. But I mean, come, come that final whistle after you say, after everything you put in, after the whole season that had been, what is that moment like as a, as a professional footballer at Wembley Stadium with all these lads who you, you've become so close to and thousands of Yeovil fans just going nuts in the stadium? I mean, that must be. Like nothing I can even imagine. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't believe it. Honestly, mm. I could not believe it. Um, yeah, I just, I just went straight on. I hit the deck, went straight onto the floor. Um, I was like, I can't believe all these people are here watching this game that I'm involved in at this stadium. I can't. Yeah, it was, it was, it was surreal. Um, I did like start crying a little bit on the pitch, which so did we. Don't worry, we did as well. Yeah. Which, Absolutely. Which, which my missus doesn't let me live down one right. tiny bit because I didn't even cry when the kids were born. She's like, oh, you yeah. cry on the pitch at Wembley, but you don't cry when the kids are born. And I'm like, well, yeah, the kids aren't getting promoted to the championship, are they? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> not yet. 
Yeah. So yeah, it was yeah, it was just surreal. The whole whole the whole time from from the armory up until the bus parade, it was just surreal. Yeah, absolutely the, bonkers. Those those celebrations post match have become quite. Um, uh, I don't know, iconic. We've heard kind of snippets of stories, and we've we've asked infamous, every infamous. infamous. That, that's word, yeah. the word I was going for. <laughs> we ask, we've asked everyone that we've spoken to about it. If I said to you the words Angelo Balanta and the bottle of cheap champagne, what would I be talking about? Um, you'd probably be talking about twenty bottles of champagne lined up across Weatherspoon's bar. There you go. Because numerous un, bottles of champagne un, uncorked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, a barbershop window smashed. That that would that's probably uh, another one for Angelo. All right, okay, yeah. right. Well, he was uh, he was on loan from somewhere, uh, wasn't it QPR or somewhere? He would have been earning a few bob himself as well. Yeah, he would have been fine. Yeah, we've heard plenty of stories about that. Was it was it good to celebrate in the town? I, I believe you were locked away and in a pub for a little bit. But like, did you feel that because it was it was Yeovil, everyone who lived in Yeovil was at Wembley, and then that every single person was then back out on the streets? It was such a like in in, in a massive cities, it's not everybody, but in Yeovil, it's absolutely everybody who's invested at that time. Yeah, did you kind I of feel like recognize that at the time? Yeah, no, I feel like it's a bit of a blur. <laughs> Honestly, it's a bit of a blur because I know we went out after the semi final. But I can't really like decipher in my head where I was. Like, and they're both they're all like blended into each other. Yeah. All the nights out we had because I feel like we went a bit mad after the Sheffield United game, and then we that, went. That's as because mad you had after. you had such a long time, if you recall. Yeah. It was like it was like thirteen, fourteen days. So yeah, you have I to think, kind of wind down and pink back up again. Yeah, I think we. Yeah, I think we went out after the semi final, and then I think I even went to Cornwall for a couple of days for a bit of a break, and then came back. But yeah, it, I think I remember when you say about Yeovil, we went down. To, is it Weatherspoons at the bottom on the corner? I think that's yeah. where we were. Yeah. And I'd gone, I'd gone around swapping my my shirts with people after. So I like we are Wembley. I'd swap that. So I, I went home with an old Yeovil shirt from like two thousand and three or something. I kept swapping <laughs> shirts with people. Right. But I remember being in Weatherspoons and people are having their Sunday lunch. There's yeah. people on the karaoke and we're coming in, chucking bottles around and they're trying to still <laughs> sing the karaoke. And there's half yeah. the team at the bar like. Oh, it was just—it was just mental. It was just bizarre. They, yeah, just yeah. got this vision of Angelo Balanta spraying champagne over a couple of pensioners eating the roast dinner or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what was happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are you, um, are you um, are you a memorabilia keeper? Where's the medal, the shirt from the final? Do you have all them? Are you one of these keeps them all framed up somewhere, or are they tucked away in an attic, never to be seen again? I, uh, I don't, I don't keep, I don't keep anything. I've got a bag full of shirts. But I have actually got my debut shirt and my playoff shirt with a medal framed. Yeah. They're the only things I've got framed. The only things I've got up in the house, and I've got no pictures. I'm not really. I think mean, I got them done after I did it. But as I've got older, I'm kind of like another shirt, stick it in the garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, think about that when I've retired. Yeah. 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 But yeah, they're the only two ones I've got them in the house. Yeah, I think they're nice to have. I think they, you know, signify you know, something significant in, in my life. So yeah, it's good to always have them. Walk past them every day. Yeah, absolutely. So, championship season, um, we're, we're, we're there. You've, I think, signed a contract, new two-year contract that, that yeah, summer. Yeah, signed a new contract. Now. Yeah, I mean, how did you feel going into it? I mean, did you think that the team that was there could compete? Obviously, it was going to be a massive uphill, um, but did you? what did you think going into that season in the championship? 
Um, not a lot really. I think I was still kind of like a bit, bit of an, a bit of an airhead really. I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, we'll just go with the flow. See what it's like. Um, we didn't have long, long off in the summer, so it was kind of rest. And I didn't come back in in the. I say I didn't come back in the best shape. I was never in the best shape fitness wise anyway at that age and I came back the same and they were kind of got not the ump a little bit it was kind of like we, we wanted to be fitter and I was like well I'm the same as what I've always been you know if it ain't broke don't fix it and all that so I mean it didn't start well for me um but I think on reflection now I, I didn't play play many games in, in the championship but you know when you when I see where I came from to see the space of time I was I probably wasn't ready for it you know and it and I think if Gary wanted to play me he would have played me but I think he, he knew what was right and what was best and you know I'd, yeah I would love to have played more but I don't hold any grudges I think it literally was too soon for me I had the same problem when I signed my first contract as a 17 year old I'd never been in, in a club before when I signed for Cheltenham at 17 so I didn't know how to how to be a footballer and you know I, I didn't play for them and I only lasted three years but I didn't have the education of coming through the academy and understanding how to behave how to be a footballer I was literally just playing football I think that was the same as what kind of happened in that first season there and I, and I learned a lot and you know it was tough at times but it, I definitely did learn a lot you played in some big games though opening day against Millwall of course with Ed Upson scoring that goal we all thought we were going to win the league um, on day one and then you played against Birmingham obviously coming up against Dan Byrne you, you played away at Leeds you played against Bournemouth and against Southampton in the FA Cup we weren't without big fixtures that year were we it was very apparent how did you feel pitting yourself up against some of the best that the second tier had to offer yeah it was it was, it was great like I said to, I'd come so far and I think that's kind of something that was definitely on my on my mind of you know look at me now look look at me here I'm uh, that was yeah it was it was great I think the Southampton game of uh, it made me realize how good these players were and you know I think I didn't touch the ball <laughs> I forgot to touch the ball the ball yeah but coming on at Leeds I had a Gaza moment at the back post but if I'd have committed I probably could have stuck it in and then then I could have retired and told Gary, not, don't worry about not picking me. I'm not going to play now for the rest of the season. I've scored Allen Road, yeah? Yeah, I scored Allen Road. But yeah, it, it's the great, great memories. And, you know, I've never dreamed of having you know, a career where I play at these grounds and, and, and play them. But, you know, I, I got there and I think at the time, probably I was a bit overwhelmed, maybe. A bit, not overwhelmed. I was just there to enjoy it. And I think I, I definitely did enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd obviously been a regular starter the previous season and in your time before ball with Newport and, and other clubs. Uh, when you watch your, your teammates struggling for results, admittedly, let's be honest, it's your overtime in the championship. But uh, was that a frustration? Was that difficult to, to, did you want to be out there and you know, being able to influence it? Yeah, I think it was, um, I just wanted them to do well, really. I've, I've had it before in, in, later on in my career when I've not played and I've kind of been a bit angry that I, sh- that I should be playing and it makes makes you a little bit resentful sometimes and kind of not really there with the team and I didn't feel that at all when I wasn't playing in the championship I think when Luke scored that goal against Birmingham I think I ran on the pitch and, and the lads were just 
laughing their heads off afterwards because I was I had my trainers on because <laughs> the manager who made all his subs so I just slipped my trainers on right. they were, they, I think the fans were singing if Aileen scores were on the pitch and he's yeah. he scored out scored a worldie so I just ran on the pitch yeah. you know and I think that you know that was just me just wanting the best for everyone and, and I definitely you know if I, if I can help the lads all I can go to these you know great clubs and help us do well against them if it's you know just being in the background I'll, I'll do what I can yeah, it, it was frustrating at times, but you know, I, I would have taken it from you know three years before that. I was playing part time, mm. cutting grass and working in a pub. So it was it was a better life than what I was used to. Definitely, is not that, a bad story. Is that frustration part of the reason that you ended up going to Shrewsbury? There was a, a short term loan in March. Was that was that from your side? Was that from Gary as a club? Did it just fit for everybody? And did you think that that might have been it for you as a Oval player. Um, no, I knew I knew I had another year left of my contract, and it kind of looked like we weren't going to survive. So we'd be back in, in League One. So it was kind of like I think I, I'll play next season. And um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think it was. I think it was a mutual thing. Really, I think Shrewsbury came in, and it's kind of like, would you do it? Would you go out on loan? It was towards the end of the season, and and then Gary was happy for it to happen, and and I thought, yeah, I can go go and play some football. Um, and just get a bit of a break from it and play, yeah. And it, it was good. It was unfortunate they they were struggling at the time, um, and they, they ended up getting relegated themselves. But yeah, it was good to get out and play. And just another environment, yeah. It was it was nice. Yeah, I mean, you did come back to Oval towards the the end of that, and I think you played a a couple that last game against um, Middlesbrough. I think it was on the on the final day. Obviously, relegation had been confirmed before before then. Did you and uh, and the group feel like now it was time to regroup after that and and, and make a go of it in, in League One? Was that what you were thinking come the end of that season? Yeah, I think the end of that season, I think there was a lot of a lot of lads out of contract. I think there was quite a few from you know that that original group that had got promoted. It was kind of like the end of that that two year cycle. You know, a lot of players signed two year deals, one year deals, and it was kind of the end of that. Um, so it was, yeah, it was disappointing, but like I said, the, the the mentality of that group the year before it was kind of like, you know, we shouldn't be here, but we're here, let's just embrace it. So I think to have that kind of same mentality on relegation, realistically, a club like Yeovil, the size we were, I think we were going into games, it was like, oh, yeah, this team's wage, wage bills, this, 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 and you know, so we were completely different playing field to. To the competitors, so I think it, realistically we weren't going to stay in that division, and you know we 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 give it a good go and enjoyed it, and you know done ourselves proud really, and it was yeah have a break and and see where we go next season. Do you feel like that was something that the whole club had around it? Because I remember that final day against Middlesbrough, no one was sort of upset at relegation I mean there was a girl band singing at halftime for crying out loud um, there was all sorts going on it didn't feel like a, a relegation we've had a couple since so we've we've learned all about what that feels like so everyone was kind of like feeling okay about it was that how everyone was kind of going about it in the entire club yeah I, yeah, I, th- I think that the close-knit club and you know I'm not I'm not entirely sure what it's like now but definitely back then it was it was a close club and the, I think the players and the spectators, you know, I think you'd, you you all knew each other really. So I think those kind of feelings were were shared. You know, those ups and downs were shared, and that feeling of yeah, okay, 
that's uh let's just take stock and go, go again really i think that was like definitely a feeling that was, was shared by everyone yeah I think that that 2014-50 season back in in League One, if anyone thought it was going to be easy, there was an opening day three 0 defeat at home to to Doncaster. Probably changed that that opinion. You'd obviously played in League One with Shrewsbury um, the the season before and Yeovil prior to that. I mean, how did you feel when when it got going in that season? Was there something that just wasn't quite right? Obviously, a lot of turnover of players, like you say, um, contracts coming to an end. Um, was was it was it that there was quite a, a bit of change? Did that do it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of players in, um, a lot of players in, a lot of players out. But then it kind of continued for for a few months. It was still players coming in and going out, and I think um, we relied heavily on kind of like core players the, the year we got promoted, and and we just didn't have those. And yeah, that shot squad wasn't quite strong enough. I think it was just too many kind of people on the peripheral when we had that team that did well it was just strong characters throughout the team and you know you're going to lose your best players that's, that's what happened you know obviously Luke Luke moves on to Bristol City uh, Ed to Millwall Byron to Millwall you know Dan goes you know you, you, you lose you don't lose the core of the team you're losing the whole the team really I think it was only me Joe and, and, and Dorsa stayed and yeah, and you're on. That, yeah, and that was it. So, you know, you need, you need to rebuild totally, and it was just it was just too hard of a task, I think. Yeah, I think First, James Hayter might have been around yeah. that time for a bit as well. Yeah, First sort yeah. of, yeah. first of all, eighteen games. I think we won three, something like that. It felt like the writing was on the wall quite early in that one, but there was an upturn when the FA Cup kicked in and we kind of had a bit of a run. We we beat Crawley. We had a couple of good games against Accrington and beat Accrington. Did that give you a, a bit of a spark, especially knew, knowing what was coming in the third round with Man United? But there were a couple of other good results in and around those FA Cup games. Yeah, I think we um, I thought we played really poorly against Accrington. My, me- my memories, are, uh, we, we, we weren't great away and we were, we were worse at home. And we probably should have lost at home, um, even knowing what what the result would be if we were to win. I still think we didn't we didn't play well, and then and then Gilly pops up with, with a great goal, and, and we win it. Um, I think Matt Crooks missed from about three yards out with an open goal about a minute before that, and I played with Crooksy after, and I gave him a bit of stick for because he's a big United fan. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, it was it was that talk about playing in the championship for me was surreal. Playing against United was even surreal. I think, yeah, that was um, yeah. I I can't really remember our form that year. I just remember like struggled as a group, as individuals, and kind of never really gelled as a team. I think some players didn't quite take to the manager, and that was and you know at the end of the day, the boss is the boss really, and. Gary has a certain way of working, and you need, you need to be with him. And you know, I think if you'd have kept you know, that championship side or the, you know, the League One side, I think we would have probably probably won League One. I think on on another occasion, but you know, keeping all the players is always difficult. Yeah, uh, there's one I do remember as a four 0 win away at Oldham in December time, which I think came just before that second game against. Um, Accrington, which was just so out of the blue with the rest of the form, and then to go and win 4 0 
4 0 at Oldham. Imagine in the FA Cup, everyone knew it was Man United, so maybe up their up their game a bit for that one. Yeah, I think yeah, Oldham. I've, I've, I've always had good good games at Oldham. I think I scored. I think I scored most of the goals against Oldham. But yeah, I've, I've always always done well against Oldham, which is which is strange. But yeah. You kind of get that sometimes when you know there's a big, big game around the corner, players up there, up the game a little bit. But yeah, I felt at the time it was kind of like, oh, where, where's this come from? Yeah, <laughs> where's absolutely. this, where's this performance come from? But yeah, I think look, looking when you're looking to play United, it's you know, game, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity for, for a player at our level. So you are going to try and give everything to to get picked, definitely. I was I was having a look at the lineup of that Man United game, and I'm trying to figure out who exactly you would have been chasing round after. Ander Herrera, um, a bit of Juan Mata, Wayne Rooney was slightly deeper. Who, who did you have trouble marking on that night? Um, yeah, Herrera, Herrera kind of like ran, ran around a lot, but we were so we were deep at times that I kind of let him do it, and I was kind of, I was thinking like I could do his job for United. <laughs> um, I thought I thought Fletcher was good. Um, he played a bit deeper. He kind of orchestrated it. And then, yeah, Ro- Rooney was. I was just watching him at times. I just turn around and look at him, and it was like he was floating, like he was gliding. It was just. He, he was just. It was great to share a pitch with him. And um, yeah, when when Juan Mutter came on, that guy he could get into where where water couldn't get. He, I look over my shoulder and he's there and then I look back and he's gone he's actually yeah. the other shoulder I, I, it was it was amazing really his, his awareness of space and awareness of what the defender's doing in the ball was just yeah next level Thank, thankfully he only come on for the last 15 minutes so I didn't have to deal with him for the whole game they yeah. they paid us a lot of respect in that game, didn't they? With that squad, they got dumped out of the League Cup, if I recall, by MK Dons a couple of weeks prior. So they didn't want to make the same mistake again. But De Gea plays, uh, Shaw, Smalling. I mean Herrera, Falcao. Seem to remember Falcao sitting in uh, Ben Nugent's back pocket for the best part of an hour before coming off. Uh, they they didn't muck about. Angel Di Maria comes on to score the late goal um, again after the game. There was a lot of um, shirts being swapped, etc. Did you? get anybody of any notes we know joe edwards got wayne rooney's because he hasn't stopped showing up about it since but um who did you get uh, i got anderson and i got it in the post it was like a blind raffle i think ah okay so 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 i'd come off i came off in the 86 minute and we chucked another striker on um so i wasn't on the pitch to, to grab any of the players but they i think united said they'll do the shirts afterwards in the dressing room Right. So as we as the game's finished, we're walking off. All all our lads are at the United dressing room door, like trying to get shirts. And I'm just thinking, just being on the pitch of them, like you just yeah. shared the pitch of them. What like don't be like a child. So I just went in. I was disappointed that we we we'd lost the game because I, I felt after an hour, I was like, oh, we're going back to Old Trafford here. I mm. honestly felt we're going to draw this game. They are not scoring. And then obviously Herrera scores a worldie and nothing. Mm. Um, so I was a bit annoyed that we'd lost and not got a result or draw even so I've gone back into the dressing room and the lads have got all the shirts in a bin bag and I, honestly, I was like I was like do you know what I'm not too bothered but as long as all the other lads get a shirt I'm actually fine not everyone I go sports direct and buy myself a shirt if I want a United shirt so then I think Nanny's got not Nanny our, our Nana Seth Tuzami oh, yeah. he used to call him Nana he's got two shirts but he's got has he got two shirts I think he's got two shirts so then and Ralphie's not got a shirt 
So someone comes in and gives me a shirt because I've not got one. And Ralphie's not got one and, and Nana's got two. And I'm saying, I'm saying, Nana, just give him a shirt. He goes, oh, no, I've got one. I've given one to charity or whatever. So I was like, I was like, here, have mine. So I gave mine to Ralphie. So I didn't have one. And then another shirt must have appeared. And because Nana had an Anderson shirt and didn't want it, he's gone, here you go, Sam, you can have this one. So he just gave it to me. And I've you just chucked it in that. the locker. And then I looked after it and it was Anderson. I was, I was gutted, to be fair. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're still getting. You know. Yeah, stuck in a bin bag somewhere in the garage, is it? Yeah, that is in a bin bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Um, I mean, there's no getting around it. Uh, it was a pretty tough season. That that highlight that you mentioned there, another another relegation um, beckoned. I mean, when when you you've spoken already about perhaps some of the reasons behind it with all the chopping and changing of players. I mean, how difficult is it when you you hit that bad form to to stop the rot because Last season, the season prior to that in the championship, there'd been a lot of defeats for different reasons, obviously. But once you, you start on that trajectory, is it difficult to stop it? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but like I said before, that season we got promoted, we, we had Paddy scoring goals and we just yeah. we just didn't have goals. Um, and it's so hard to, to to perform well and get results when you just can't score goals. And you know, we uh, we struggled ultimately with that. You know, Jack Price came in; he was brilliant for us, Pricey. And I think if we had a striker scoring goals, I think yeah. Yeah, we could have teed him up. But unfortunately, we didn't have that person. But yes, yeah, trying to stop the right is just so difficult. I remember when 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 Gary um, eventually left and Terry took over. They kind of like right, we're gonna we're gonna play our way out. And it was kind of like let's try and play our way out for, if we're going to try and stay up we're going to try and play we did that for a couple of weeks and it didn't work and then Sturrock comes in and gets a job and it's cut the polar opposite now Sturrock didn't even take a session and Terry's saying new manager's coming in tomorrow and he wants every time you get the ball you're putting it in the box so we've gone from complete polar opposites within you know a month to three different styles and you're thinking as a player you know sometimes you do just think of the game and the game and the game then you're starting to think we must be in trouble here if they're the messages that we're getting that it's never it's never easy I can't imagine it's easy when you're in a team and a manager loses their job it can't be an easy place to be it was always a big ask for Skivo to come in what was that whole period like was the writing on the wall for Gary a little bit after everything he'd done was it awkward being in and around the group at that time um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think it was awkward. Like Ted, you know, Terry had been there for for a very long time and knew the club. You know, he knew the players, and he always got on really well with everyone. Um, so for, for for him to get a job, I think it it was a bit of a shock for Gary to go because you know, he was such such a legend at the club. But you know, these things happen in football, and obviously the board thought it would. Help, help us stay up if uh, if he went, and that probably goes back to what I was saying about bringing in these players that kind of weren't getting the message that Gary was getting across. And I think it kind of obviously that's what materialised in, in in the decision making there. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was it was kind of like you know you got a job to do as a player, so you know, let's listen to the next message and let's try and do implement the best we can and try and get a result at the weekend. That's it, really. Yeah, remember him at the time. Um, it must have been a, a few games before he left. He spoke about not sort of almost looking in a hat, and there's no more rabbits to pull out of it. And obviously at Yeovil, 
that's what he did, didn't he? He brought in players like yourselves from, from the lower leagues. He brought in players like, let's say, James Ater, for example, who coming towards the end of their careers. And he was pulling rabbits out of hats and yeah. maybe just got to the stage where there were there, there were no more rabbits to, to be able to get. What do you think about the fact that when Paul, come, Paul Stewart comes in and in a strange situation, the dates line up to where his first game is the day we are confirmed as being relegated. It was just, uh, was he brought in, do you think, obviously with next season in mind and and as a crack at League Two? Did he give that impression early doors? I can't remember. I think I can vaguely remember that. I think he used to do quiz night with the chairman, the old chairman in the same local pub, I think. I think that was the connection or that right. was the room in the dressing room, I think. Um, That's a good interview process, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he knows his general knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was that. I think that was the, in the dress room. I don't know if how true that was or not. But yeah, I, I liked him. I, I learned. I learned quite a lot about the game from from Stoic. He, he had great knowledge. Um, I don't think he was in great health at the time when he when he was in charge. Um, but you know, he, I think he was coming in. It was kind of like looking at just as a temporary thing until we get a, we get a manager in. I think that's how I kind of remember it. Um, did he, did he start league? Did he start? Oh no, I'd gone. I, yeah, I left and I, so I left yeah. at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, my contract was up and I'd, um, I had quite, quite a good season personally. I played a lot of games, um, performed okay. So I kind of, I was kind of looking like get to the end of the season and, and see where I am from there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there you got named got player of the season. I mean, it's obviously a, a, a difficult period for the for the club there. How how much does that kind of individual success does, does it help in any way? Um, it's obviously a team game, isn't it? So, um, no, I think the performances do. You know, obviously, you can't win can't win player of the year without playing well. So I think you know the performances probably helped me, you know, attract a bit of interest to see what offers are out there. Um, and that was it, really. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not like my agents going taking my awards on <laughs> to his meetings and oh yeah, these are Sam's awards. Um, yeah, yeah. You play well throughout the year and you try and you know do yourself proud. You know, like I said, playing at the level you want to justify why you're there and you want to show people that you are good enough. Um, so that was kind of your individual goal throughout the season. And you know, I was I was lucky enough that I played enough games that I could get a bit of form and I could have a run at things and you know show people what I can do on the pitch, whereas some people don't get that opportunity. I'm, I'm lucky that I did with the Noble, really. End of the season comes in, and it was Port Vale. Um, you said at the time, uh, I read a little clip today, that you said Yeovil wanted you to stay, but it was a desire to stay in League One that swayed it for you. Um, did you just kind of feel it was a natural time anyway, with your contract coming up and that group sort of finally disbanding off of that, that fight back end of that season? Yeah, it was a it was a very hard decision. It was it was it was a very tough decision at the time. Um, I think um, I'm as much. It was probably sounds a bit contradictory the amount of clubs I have have had over my career, but I'd, I'd say I'm quite a loyal person. Um, I, I'd say loyalty is something that I, that I do take seriously, um, and sometimes it's been to my to my detriment being over loyal. Um, like the season we got promoted. Uh, my contract was up. I probably could have left to 
I've gone to a better club on a better contract, but I wanted to stay with that group and wanted to stay at Yeovil with, with those lads, really. And that was all my desire to do, was to play in the championship with, with those boys. Um, but, you know, I think um, speaking to an old coach of mine from when I was at Newport, he always said to me, you've got players as high as you can for as long as you can. Um, and as much as I've kind of stuck with that throughout my career, it, I've had, it's been some tough decisions to make based on that. But, you know, I've got no regrets. And I think that was the main reason for, for the uh, for the move to Port Vale. But, yeah, I, I, I think if I can remember, I'd rang my agent and said, yeah, let's sign for Yeovil. As soon as I hung the phone up, <laughs> I had this it came over me that I was making the wrong decision that I probably should be going to Port Vale because you know my head says one thing but my heart says another but I need to think of the bigger picture yeah and I rang straight up and I was like no no I'm not my head's not right I'm not ready to make a decision yet but yeah that's how close I was to to rejoining the Oval it was yeah that was just bizarre summer that yeah my agent was like oh, I'll ring you back next week and you can tell me tell me a different story yeah give me, yeah. Give me the proper answer that I mean, your name's popped up on the on the rumour mill about coming back on a, on a few occasions, summer moves and so forth. Has there ever been an opportunity for you to come back to Yeovil since, since you left? A, a realistic opportunity, more than just a rumour that you remember? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think there's been a chance for me to to come back. Although I'm good friends with um, Chris Todd, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I speak to Todd every now and then, he, he always drops a little one. Oh, you're more than welcome to come back. Yeah. Um, oh no, actually, yeah, no, I do remember. I spoke to um, um, is Darren Sol? Was it? Oh yeah. Yeah, I spoke to I spoke to I spoke to him when he was manager, and he he rang me. I think it was when I left Northampton, um, and he was just saying how he drove into the stadium and saw a big picture of me and Byron Webster, and he was like, oh, "I wonder if I can get that good-looking guy to come back." <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's charmer, it was, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was it was realistic at the time because I had, you know, two young kids and it's, it's a long way. We're based in Cheshire now. And I, I said that to him. I said, listen, at the minute, it's not something that, that is possible and with the kids and that. So I don't want to string you along. But, you know, thanks for your interest and let me know how your summer goes. And then, and then uh, St. Mirren came in, offered me a, a two-year deal at St. Mirren. So he was the first person I rang straight away. I was kind of like, listen, thanks for thinking of me but I'm, I'm going to go to St Mirren and, and to be fair to him he was straight away no that's a great move Scottish Premier League you'll, you'll love it you'll do really well up there so you know he, he was great chatting to him but that was that was as close as it got really it's close, it's close enough for me to dream it's close enough yeah. for me to dream um, we uh, we owe a thanks for this podcast happening to close personal friend Ollie Bell who we spoke to on the pod recently. And so I dropped him a text today and I asked him, I said, if I have to ask Sam Foley one question, what question do I have to ask Sam Foley? And he says the following, Sam, what do you remember about the time that you and Luke Ayling had a bet on the Rainbow Hunter? What story can you tell us there, Sam, please? Uh, we did touch on uh, Southampton away in the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, I, was on the, I was on the bench. I think it was the night before. Yeah, the night before, I think I was on the phone to Ollie and he says, I've just watched the Grand National back. The Rainbow Hunter came second. He was unbelievable, but he didn't have a jockey. So basically, his horse, the Rainbow Hunter, chucked the jockey off after about two fences and then decided to run round the whole course without a jockey and ran really well. So Ollie's going off. 16 to 1 tomorrow at, at, at Aintree or wherever Ascot. Like, get on it. So I'm in the hotel room with Luke. So we've done the bet. He's totally forgot about it because I'm on the bench. All I'm thinking of is 3.30. 
Ascot Rainbow Hunters. So game kicks off and about 20, 25 minutes in, I'm having a stretch on the side of the pitch. Oh, time for the toilet. So I've nipped into the dressing room half an hour into the game and uh, look, look at the result. Rainbow Hunter wins at 16 to 1. So I bolted back out onto the gone for me way of stretching on the sideline again. Luke's got a throw in. I'm, I'm going, Luke, Luke, like he's got the ball over his head. He looks over me. I said, the horse is one. Like, I think we're I think we're two 0 down at the time, and he's got he's got he's got the throwing position and the biggest smile on his face, and he throws the ball in. And honestly, he it's the best he played till the till half time. He was happy, he was smiling, and then I think he came. I was coming on the pitch at half time to do the warm up, and Byron's coming off, and Byron had a bet with it, and Byron's going, oh, "How did the horse do?" And I was like, "One, one as well." So, yeah. yeah, so um, we were all disappointed losing in the FA Cup at Southampton, but a few of the boys had a bit of quid, quid in their pocket, so they were happy. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Ollie. <laughs> I thought that was a nice story of you. He, he, I imagine he could have thrown you under the bus there if he wanted to, but that's a, at least it ended well. Yeah. At least it ended oh, well. Well, that's the best tip he's ever given me. Yeah, he's, I think he's given up on giving me tips, but. Yeah, well, we're, uh, I mean, we're coming to the end now, obviously, but uh, just, just to say, really, when, when you're part of a side like that, that, that incredible side, um, 2013, it, it feels like you're, you're bonded for life. And I know a lot of the previous players we've spoken to have said about how you, you'll, you'll keep in touch. Now you're all in separate places, like you say, Luke Aylin, Dan Byrne, obviously being at the, the, the highest level. Is there a connection between you still? So I've got a Yeovil old boys whatsapp group or something have you no we don't have a whatsapp group actually no, no we don't um i think uh waiting for someone superior to to set it up I, don't know. I, I, I think there's only one guy to set it up but i think he's a bit busy i think the old skip but um oh, yeah. yeah he's he's he was the daddy of the group um but yeah i don't know yeah there definitely is a bond now i still speak to you know, i still i still speak to all of them um not spoke to ed for a while yeah, I'll speak to Joe. I'll, I'll speak to Luke. I went to a game with Luke um, at the start of last season. Uh, and yeah, Dan Byrne, I'll speak to Dan. Uh, Byron, I saw at Cheltenham races. Yeah. Uh, Dorse, I speak to a lot. Yeah. Does yeah. it surprise you to see the likes of Luke and, and, and Dan, how, how well they've done? Or when you were playing with them, did you think, yeah, these lads are destined for... I think, we, I think we all dreamt, you know, yeah. dreamt of having a chance and just getting an opportunity. I think as I saw Luke play a couple of years ago, he played against Man City 23. So I went, he's coming back from injury. So I went, went and watched him and he was like, oh, I can't believe him. I'm playing, playing for Leeds. Can't believe I'm playing for the league. And I was like, you're smashing it. I'm like, you're doing so well. Like you are, you're there. So believe it. I sent him a message a while ago towards the end of the season. Just, you know, he's, he does play with his heart in the sleeve. You know, just keep going, mate. He's, he's done so well. Yeah, I speak to, I speak to Dan as well. You know, I've done that. Dan's Dan's been brilliant, honestly. To 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 do what he's done, is, the size he is, to play that left back position when he was at Brighton, I thought he was. Yeah, you know, I'm surprised he's not been involved in the uh, in, in the England setup with you know his physical profile that he has. Yeah, Luke was saying it was quite funny. Every Every leading up to every um, international break, he gets an email from the FA telling him not to go on holiday, not to book holidays in case he's selected. Right. But he's like, I've got so many in front of me. It's just after cancelling another Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's no, great. It's great to see him doing so well. Like, it's, it's brilliant. 
Amazing. Do you still look at, obviously you have a bond with those, with that group and you still have a bond with the club. Do you still see Yeovil results and over the past few years kind of go, oh, I really hope that can sort of even itself out. Do you, do you look for the club? I imagine you see the clips every year on social media when the Wembley stuff comes back out and all the rest of it. Do you kind of still keep an eye on the club as a whole? Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah. Um, it's been hard not to recently with what's been going on. You know, seeing them struggle, you, I'm, I'm, I'm looking and I'm like, come on, just, just win a game. You know, the same, think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, sometimes with like other clubs I've played at where, I've, where I've, I've done well and I've enjoyed it, it's not so much, you know, they don't need, you know, they might be doing well enough, they don't need me to kind of keep an eye on them. But yeah, it's been, it's been tough kind of over the last few months watching your overall or last couple of years. And you always kind of look at them and think, you know, look at the table, how they're doing. And just pick up a few points here and there, but yeah, it's been tough. But you know, it's what happens in football, it happens in, in life with your ups and downs, and you can't have those highs without without the lows. And you know, they will be back, I'm sure they will. Like, yeah, most clubs do. Look at Luton, look at these big clubs that have been in the National League. Look at what's happened to Wrexham. I know it's kind of a little bit different, but they're probably going to be in the championship in the next three, three years or whatever. So these things they do change. It's not it's not forever. One thing one thing that the club will always have, and that's the supporters, and something that I've always always known. And whatever club I'm at, you know, the supporters are the heartbeat of the football club. And you know, live, I think living in Yeovil, like I lived in Yeovil, was the first time really. I think all the other clubs I've never actually lived. I never actually lived there. The Yeovils, you know, the one that I, I was I was part of it. I was part of the community and. You know, it, it did mean a lot to me and it's kind of been the the foundation for my uh, for my career, especially in the Football League, definitely. Yeah. We, we always finish these interviews by just asking um, the player we're talking to, just any almost final words that you want to say. There's hopefully a lot of Yeovil fans will listen to this. What would be your 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 parting message to them of your memories of them and, and, and of the club? Um, I don't know, really... Uh, like I said, I was I felt like I was part of the community, and I think having having the fans back you, regardless of saying that, I did get booed once when I went back. I went back with Northampton, and I got booed by the by a lot of yobs, and I, I had an old yobble fan saying, "Oh, they can't remember you, son." No, exactly. Yeah, all, think, too uh, young. all too yeah, young. All too young. The majority, the majority, um, yeah, have always been great, especially when I was there. Um, but it's not so much that, like I said, being in the community and I think probably just backing you and just allowing you and trusting you that you, you want what's best for the football club and you're not just there for yourself. Um, and we, we were in it together there at the football club and, you know, like I said, I've got fond memories of not just the club, but the people in, in the area. I know they're, they're, they're a proud lot down there in Yeovil and they're, they're proud of their town, proud of, proud of their area and proud of their football club. So, you know, for me to have been part of that, uh, privilege, really. Yeah, well, I think we probably speak for every Oval fan. Well, we thank you and everyone of that 2013 team and everyone for, for what you did because we've, we've never had a high like it. Um, hopefully we'll have some highs again in, in the future, but thank you to you for all the effort, all that running around at Wembley and other places as well that you did for our club. It's... Um, yeah, it's it's much appreciated. It's never never forgotten. Ten years on, we're still here talking about it. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, pleasure, pleasure, guys. Thanks very much.
Cheers, Sam. Thanks very much. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. 